So good, so good. All right, well, let's get into the Word of God. Are you ready to learn something new today? Not from me. I ain't got nothing to say, but from God. We're here because of what Jesus Christ is doing in our midst, and um, the title for the message that God has laid on my heart is Why Worry? Why Worry? Man, I heard somebody chuckle. Has anybody felt worried about something in the last week? Maybe, yes, maybe yesterday, maybe today. I came across the guy on Friday, and there's just a tension in kind of the atmosphere, right? There's a bit of a just worrisome, fearful, whatever it may be, because of what's going on maybe in the physical. And this gentleman looked at me, and I, I mean, he doesn't really know, he doesn't know what I do. And uh, we, were, we were doing something together, and he's like, I don't know what in the world's going on, but I need to get back to church. I was like, yes, you do. But you don't need religion. You need a relationship with God. And he was like, what? <laughs> and I got to tell him about Jesus right in that moment. I was just doing the task that I was there to do. And I'm just like, God, like there is just, so I want you to know in the midst of what we find ourselves in, know that God is up to something greater. God is doing a great and a mighty work. And if we will keep ourselves in God's presence and continually calibrated by his word, by the spirit of God, and by a great community, we can help to see clearly through what's happening. Um, one of the things that I came across, uh, Bill Johnson had penned a prayer, or he, he had mentioned some prayers that he prays over his kids, and it was Isaiah 50, verse 4, that they would wake up with a word from the Lord in due season. We have to be, yes, attentive to what's happening, but not distracted by what's happening so that God can use us in the moments that we're living in. And so today I've titled the message, Why Worry? What good is it going to do? I got a gray spot of hair in the back of my head. You know what? It's not from worry. It's from the wisdom of the Lord, and I can't change it. Why worry? <laughs> so I said, did you get hit with a paintbrush? Nope. <laughs> I don't know what's going on back there. I can't even see it. In the, in the midst of this message, I want you to hear, we serve a sovereign God. And you hear that a lot. We serve a sovereign God. But I want you to know that means that he is supreme ruler over everything. That's what sovereign God means. He is ruling over everything. He has an opinion about what we're going through, what the situation you're going through. And he is powerful and he is mighty. We were just singing about that a little bit ago. I wish we could have just stayed right there. I just saw us all chanting, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Like you dancing on your problems, you dancing on your anxieties, you dancing on what Because we serve a sovereign God. And he is powerful and he is mighty to save. Amen? Amen. All right, we could just go home right there. Erica was already preaching earlier. I was like, what? <laughs> no but the Lord has given me a word. <laughs> Turn in Matthew, uh, and while you're turning, I'll pray. Matthew chapter six. And if you've got quick fingers, I'll probably hit a few verses. Some may just come out, uh, but some I will reference. But Matthew chapter six, we're gonna be hitting 25 through 34. And let's pray. Father, in the mighty name of your son, Jesus Christ, we thank you that you so loved us. We thank you that you sent your son for us, God, because of your great love unconditionally, God. And we thank you that you have seen us in the, this moment today, God. And we thank you that you are here by your spirit. We already sense you, God. In our midst, you said that where two or three are gathered together in the name of Jesus Christ, that you are in our midst. But God, we thank you that you are here to make your home in us, in each heart, in each mind. God, we thank you that you are here and we love you and we worship you. And we give you these next few minutes that you would speak to us, Holy Spirit, by your word, that God, that we would hear your wisdom and we wouldn't just push it to the side. We wouldn't just think about it later, but God, that we would make it our actions. God, that this week it would cause something in us to be stirred, to bring it into an effect in our life. God, your word, that we would be wise and apply it. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. 
So I wish that I could stand here before you today and tell you that I have never been afraid. I got up the other day. It was Monday or Tuesday, and I was praying about some things, and one of the staff members had shot over to me uh, an Instagram reel, and it was of the BSNFN, whatever the, the railroad company is that comes like through Texas and kind of through the, the, the lower southwest states. And it had on top of it, and I actually was sharing this with our staff, it had on top of this, this train, all of the different rail cars, it had people riding it. And it had like tents pitched and people with blankets. And I'm thinking, is this like in a third world country? Is this in like India? Like, where is this picture at? And then, of course, I saw the, the engines of the train and I noticed the logo on the side of it. I'm like, oh, my goodness. I'm like, no, nah, that can't be. Like, maybe it's just a train. And, and, I'm, and I, I looked, I'm like, oh, my goodness. This is, this is in America. This stuff is happening in America. And this like wave of fear hit me. And so I wish that I could tell you that I've never been afraid. I wish that I could stand here before you this morning and tell you that I've never worried. And maybe you could relate with me in this. I wish that this morning I could stand here before you and tell you that I've never asked the question, what if? I wish this morning that I could stand here and I could tell you that I've always had peace in my heart and I've never doubted God. I wish this morning that I could stand here and tell you that I've never given away to envy. Or I've never looked at something that someone else had and wish I had it. I wish I could stand here this morning and tell you that I've always acted in faith and I've never acted in fear. I wish this morning that I could stand here and say that life never has problems, but the truth is, it does. And maybe you can stand with me this morning, or you can think with me about, along some of those things. We live in a world that's fallen, but we serve a God who is powerful. We serve a God who is sovereign. And in the midst of our problems, we have to understand that God is doing something. And they haven't caught God off guard. I've stood with people in the midst of trauma that they're going through, be it the loss of a loved one, be it the trauma of something happening in their life. And, you know, I've learned from a dear sister, Lisa, as we were going through something as a church, we lost a loved one. And she said, this hasn't caught God off guard. He's still on the throne. It hasn't caught him off guard. J. Oswald Sanders says, a problem has three phases, impossible, difficult, and done. A problem has three phases, impossible, it's difficult, and God has finished it, yes. right? You may be standing with me, or you may be thinking this morning, like, if you only knew what I was going through, well, see that thing in three phases, impossible. And can I tell you, God says that what seems impossible with you is not impossible for him. Come on, can we give God some glory? What may seem impossible for you, and who can testify of God's Sovereign hand on your life Amen. to accomplish a miracle. Come on, I can. What seemed impossible for me was not impossible for God. And it moves from impossible to the, all of a sudden you catch a light and you're like, wait, this just seems like it's a difficult. Right? And then all of a sudden you stand. And listen, many times this happens in your life where you're like, wait, I'm not in my problem anymore. <laughs> when did I get out of this? A problem has three phases. Impossible, difficult, and done. I want you to hear that this morning. Problems are a part of God's process. Did you hear that? Problems are a part of God's process. So I want you to turn with me as you've got your finger in Matthew chapter 6, and I want you to see what God, what Jesus Christ himself says about when we're tempted to worry in the midst of problems that we find. And I want to lay just a little bit of a biblical background here. This is from the Sermon on the Mount. 
And as you know that Jesus took his disciples, the 12 of them, and he said, we're going to go to the other side of Galilee. And maybe they thought they were going to like lay on the beach and, you know, sip their kind of cool drinks and do what they were going to do and have a little bit of rest and relaxation with Jesus. And all of a sudden, as they got in the boat and they got to the other side, they noticed there was like a crowd and the Bible calls them disciples. There was a crowd of people that were like running with them. And they got to the other side and not only like the crowd of people must have said like, hey, oh, Jesus is going over here. Let's go with them. And the crowd influenced a multitude of people. And so when they got there, there was 5,000. What was counted was just men, maybe 5,000 more children, maybe 5,000 more women. There could have been 15,000 people that were crowded on this hillside. And Jesus says, hey, we are about to minister. And he preaches the Sermon on the Mount. That's where this portion of scripture is found. And whenever he's in this situation, I want you to understand what was happening in those days in the Bible times. The life expectancy of a person was no more older than like 38. So mid to late 30s was the life expectancy of a person. I'm 42 years old. I would have been what? Four years dead. (laughs) Hallelujah. We have made it further than that. Thank you, Jesus. The life expectancy of a person was in the mid to late 30s. And Jesus is preaching to them. And I'm sure if you and I can relate with them, they probably got a lot of questions in their mind. Like, Jesus, this sounds great. These beatitudes, you know, Jesus, this is really impossible. And man, my stomach is starting to growl. And actually, when we find this portion of scripture, he starts to address worry. Chapter 25 or verse 25, it says, therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life. Somebody say, do not worry. Why worry? What good's it going to do? Why worry, Dolores? Everybody say, why worry? Why worry? Jesus even said it. Do not worry about your life. This word worry, I want to define this for you for just a little bit. This word worry means to divide into parts. It suggests a distraction, a preoccupation with things that cause anxiety, stress, or pressure. Jesus speaks about this against worry and anxiety because of a watchful care of a heavenly father who is mindful of our everyday needs. This word worry means to get you distracted in a way that the intention is to pull you apart. How many have you ever worried about something and all of a sudden the scenarios, the situations and the outcomes and oh me, oh my is really all you're left with? Jesus said, don't worry about your life. Let's continue on. What will you eat or what will you drink? Nor about your body, what will you put on it? Is not life more important than food and the body more important than your clothes? Somebody say amen. Amen. Now Jesus starts to throw some illustrations at them. Look at the birds of the air. For they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your who? Heavenly Father. With a capital F, your Heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more important than they are? I remember telling my birds, or yeah, my birds, I remember telling our kids, <laughs> little, little birds, little chickadees, telling our kids about these portions of scripture and I'd say, hey, Abbey River, you know, when was the last time we went to Ralph's and we saw like the birds lined up outside, like, you know, waiting to push their cart in behind us. We, you never see that. You know, I think about whenever we see the headlines and trust me, I start to get worried. I start to think like, 
Do we have a way to protect ourselves? Do, do I have a game plan? Do I have an escape route? Do I have... I'm tempted in all those things. But I remember this week when I was starting to be worried about this train line of people and who knows how many we're letting into our country. And I pray about those things. And I start to feel anxiety. But guess what? As I was walking from my car to the office, I remember hearing the birds chirping. And I was like, wait a minute. If the birds have something to sing about and my heavenly father feeds them, and my heavenly father has them counted, I think I need to get something stirred up inside of me to start thanking God about. Come on, right? Because he knows our every need. And he said, they don't go grocery shopping and store up in their little nest. They don't have enough room for that. And yet I make sure every day they have enough to eat. Hallelujah. Let's go on. 27. Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? One of the things I came across as I was studying this, one of the commentaries actually says it's not so much like your height, because, man, I wish I could add, like, two inches, you know? Like, be at least six foot. I'm still growing. I'm still growing. Or else my dad's shrinking. It's like every time I see my dad, I'm like, wait, either I'm growing or my dad's getting, because he was, like, six one, six two. I was the runt of the family. But spiritually, I'll take the biggest now. <laughs> But this doesn't actually mean to add an inch or a cubit to your height. It actually means by worrying, can you extend your life? Can you supply more longevity for yourself? Come on. Like one of the biggest causes the doctors say of cancer, of heart disease, of all of these things is what? Stress. Worry. Guess what? Like Pastor Phil says, this isn't a science book. But when it speaks on those things, it is always right. Whatever topic this speaks to, God's word, it is correct. And when it said that Jesus said, you're worrying and worrying and worrying and worrying, can't even extend your life, and the doctors say, hey, guess what? You need to, you need to get off the stress. You need less stress in your life because you've got this, that, or the other thing. Come on. Jesus said, what good does worrying do? Somebody say, why worry? Verse 28, so why do you worry about the clothing? Consider the lilies of the fields and how they grow and they neither toil nor spin. Have you ever gone out to buy something that you really liked and you saved your money for that? I remember I wanted to buy this really special thing for my wife and I had to save and I had to save and I had to save for it, right? Actually, she's wearing it today. You look sexy in it. I love you. And I had to save for it. I had to plan on how I was going to get it so that she wouldn't know about it. All of this toil and all of this work, and I'm so glad that I was able to do that to you. But I want you to see the point. That God said, Solomon and even all of his array of splendor, his delicate clothing and the fancy things that he wears isn't even as beautiful as the lilies of the field. Have you ever seen where they take the, they take a petal of, they take the, the, like the, the little petal off of a rose or off of a flower and they put it under a microscope? Have you ever seen that? It is like a, a woven, intricate, like delicate, pro, like, 
like tiny little fibers of all of these different colors that are woven together. And yet, whenever you look back from it as a far off, the color looks red. But when you look up close under the microscope, it's all of these tiny little colors and details. And God was saying, Jesus was saying, look, you think yourself important enough to get up this morning and put on a good clothes and do your hair all nice, right? It's Sunday. We want to put on our best for God. But he said, God arrays the splendor of the fields and one day it's here. And by the end of the day, the flowers have already wilted. Eric would say to me, don't buy me flowers. Because they die. I don't want dead things. I'll still buy her flowers from time to time. But Jesus was saying, look, they're, they're so beautifully in detail. There's so much detail and beauty in every single part of them. And at the end of the day, they're dried up and you throw them into the oven. You throw them out in the trash. What good does it cause you to worry about what you would eat or what you would drink, but, or even to worry about what you're going to wear? Yet, I tell you that even more of the, me, even more in Solomon 29, in all of his glory was not arrayed as one of these. Verse 30, and now if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is here and its tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O oh, little faith? I want you to think of something right here. Jesus starts to like drill into some things here. He said, you have a heavenly father who loves you and is aware of everything that you need. He's aware of the, the, the things that you need to physically keep yourself alive. And if you have a hard time figuring that out, look at the birds. You're more valuable than they are. Matthew chapter 10 tells us that. He said this very similar scripture and he said, Does, if it, not one, one of those sparrows, actually the Bible says two of those sparrows are bought with a gold coin or a copper coin. And he says, not one of them falls out of the tree without the father knowing about it. So you have a heavenly father who loves you and is going to take care of you. And then he says, with the clothing that you put on, and he starts to address that it's a lack of faith. Remember when Jesus later on, they got into the boat and they were to head to the other side. A storm arose. The waves started to crash over the side of the boat. And the disciples look. Maybe some of them are bailing water. Maybe some of them are rowing it. Maybe some of them are praying, oh, Lord, help me, help us, get, get us to the other side. God, we don't want to perish. And they look, and what's Jesus doing? I mean, I don't know how. I mean, he's, he must have been exhausted from preaching the Sermon on the Mount. But he's sleeping Waves are crashing, the wind is blowing, and they finally, they wake him up and they say, Master, do you not care that we're going to perish? And what does Jesus look and he says? Oh, you of little faith. Oh, you of little faith. And the thing is, the Bible says, after he said that, he arose, he stood up, and he looked at what was going on, and he calmed the wind, and he calmed the waves, and the Bible said that there was great fear among them they realized, wow, who's in the boat with us? <laughs> For, forget about just like putting a, you know, a, a Yamaha motor on the back and getting it across fast. Like he calmed the whole storm. Can you imagine what kind of awkward silence there would have been, <laughs> right? Like we're about to perish. Maybe they're using some sailor language and stuff like that. And all of a sudden Jesus says, whoa, you have little faith. Stands up, storm be still. And then like awkward cricket moment like, cool, we're going to sit down now. Maybe we'll start rowing. <laughs> oh, you have little faith. But the great thing about faith is we know it can be increased, right? 
If it starts out like a mustard seed, the Bible tells us, and the Bible says in Romans that faith comes by hearing and hearing by God's word. I think someone's faith today is being stirred up. Where maybe worry has tried to isolate you and get you into a place where it starts to get you distracted, stressful, and anxiety. Faith is starting to arise. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by God's word. Faith is also a gift of the spirit. Did you know that? So when you find yourself at a place where maybe you're, oh, me of little faith, or you're like the father who brought his son to Jesus and said, Jesus, heal my son. And Jesus looked at him and said, okay, do you believe? And he's like, I believe, but then help me in my unbelief, right? That's the tension we live in every day. Like, and the devil would tempt you with thinking, well, if you were a real Christian, you wouldn't be worried about this. If you were a real Christian, you wouldn't have this problem. No, 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 no. This is an opportunity for faith to arise, for my God who is sovereign to look over the situation and for me to see the kingdom of God come and for his will to be done in this situation. Because God is greater than what we're going through. All right, let's look at this. Therefore, why do you worry about saying, what will I eat, what will I drink, or what will I wear? 32, for all of these things the Gentiles seek. Did you hear that? For all of these things the Gentiles seek. So it's not just Bill Gates that's worried about, are we going to have enough? This is a Gentile mindset. This is a, and listen, when I'm saying Gentile, most of us in this room are, are Gentiles, Okay. You're, God sees people as in Jewish people, the Israelites, or he sees people that are Gentiles. And thank God because of Jesus Christ and we're in the New Testament that whoever may believe in me will not perish but have everlasting life. Amen? So that's Jew or Gentile. First to the Jewish people and then to the Gentiles. But if we're not careful, like in the Old Testament, what happens is you've got the Egyptians. And Egypt was always a picture of the world, right? Their mindsets, their slavery, all of these things. Well, now in the New Testament... The Gentile mindset, if we're not careful, it speaks to our humanistic mindset, our, or if you would, our Adamic mindset, our fallen mindset. And Jesus said, the Gentiles, this is what they seek after. They're, are we going to have enough? We need to make bigger barns. We need to store up. We need to get less population. We need to do all these things. Does this not sound familiar? You need to eat less. You need to eat bugs. You need to eat plants. You need to... What? <laughs> no! My God supplies my need. Remember Elijah was in the wilderness and what happened? The ravens started bringing him food. When you stay close to Jesus Christ, God supplies every single one of your needs. And even if he says, hey, look, you may need to fast a little bit. He supplies your every need. So it wasn't Bill Gates. This is a mindset. Rest of 32, for your heavenly father knows that you need all of these things Check it out. Here is the punchline. If you forget everything I talked about today, remember, it's Dolores' birthday. Jesus loves you. And this right here. But, somebody say but. but. The other day, my son was like, Dad, I accidentally on my paper wrote B-U-T-T. <laughs> but I meant to do B-U-T. <laughs> sure you did. Wait till my teacher grades this. He's not like his dad at all. But. Seek first the kingdom of God. Did you hear that? Seek first the kingdom of God. When worry comes, Jesus said, don't let your mind go down that trail. Don't let yourself get into that place where you start living out or you start thinking out all the scenarios and the circumstance. He said, but seek 
first the kingdom of God. Earlier in, this, in the actual sermon, he actually taught on the Lord's Prayer, and he said that we are to pray, Our Father who is in heaven, holy be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. Do you hear that? The thing we're to seek first is not the, oh, I need somebody to agree with me in my pity party. I need to go find somebody that will at least sympathize with me. No, no, no. Seek first the kingdom of God. Get a strategy from heaven on what it should look like. I like how Luke has written it in, the, uh, in, in his interpretation of this. He actually, in the King James Version, he says that we're to pray as it is in heaven, so be it on earth. Bill Johnson would say that we are those who are to be heavenly residents that are pushing out the plans and the purposes of God on earth as it is in heaven. Amen? Your situation that get, that enemy's tempting you to be anxious or he's tempting you to be worried about is actually an opportunity for you to see the kingdom of God to come and for his will to be done in your life. Seek first the kingdom of God. Don't worry about what you're going to eat. Don't worry about what you're going to drink. Don't worry about what you're going to put on. He even said that, oh, I want to jump ahead. Okay, now, look at this. Seek first the kingdom of God. And then he gives another part to this. And seek his righteousness. Seek his righteousness. The Bible says in Psalms, I think it's like 127. I dropped my mint paper. Sorry, camera guy. He's like, go, oh, I missed you. <laughs> Psalms 127. It said, who may ascend the hill of the Lord? The other day we were in prayer and God laid this on my scripture. Who may ascend the hill of the Lord? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. And then you think, like, oh, God, I'm disqualified. Right? That thought, oh, why in the world? Or I did that, I had that argument, whatever. Like, I can't even come into your presence, God. Guess what? You're not righteous before God in your best day ever. You're only righteous before God because of what Jesus Christ has done. And he said, I choose you. He looked down the pages of history and he said, I choose you to be righteous. I choose you to be righteous. I choose you to be the righteousness of Christ. And he died and he shed his blood so that we may become the righteousness of Christ. So when you get tempted to see yourself pulled out of that relationship with God, because that's what happens when you start worrying. You're the enemy is trying to separate you, get you disqualified, get you over here. When God wants you over here, where, God, where you're in his kingdom, you're seeking your right standing with God, and it's only because Jesus Christ, and you're saying, God, I need an idea from heaven. And the enemy says, well, I want you to start worrying about this, and I want you to be afraid of that, and I want you to think about this scenario. Stay over here. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And look what it'll say. Jesus said, and all of these things, all of these things, will be added to you. Verse 34, and therefore do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself. It has own, listen, when you start worrying about what's gonna happen, you actually double down the worry because each day has enough of its own. And when you start worrying, you start worrying about tomorrow and you start worrying about the bill or you start worrying about the, whatever the fill in the blank is, when you go that way, you isolate yourself from God and then all of a sudden you start, the enemy's just like, I'm gonna pour it on now. <sighs> because each day has enough worry of its own and when you start worrying about tomorrow, you actually double, you double what load you would, have, you would be trying to carry. Instead, what were we to do? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added unto you. Staying in that relationship with God. I want to give you two points real quick as we close. Why worry? Somebody say, seek him first. Seek him first. Why should you worry? Don't. Seek him first. 
The Father loves you. Luke eleven thirteen. it says that you have a heavenly Father that loves you so much that he gives a picture that you as earthly sons know how to take care of your kids, that when they come to you, you wouldn't harm them, deceive them, or to destroy them. But your heavenly Father loves you so much that if you would ask him for the Holy Spirit, would he not pour it out in your life? Right? And what did I tell you was a gift from the Spirit? Faith. When you are in close proximity with God, when you are in that right standing with God, you have an opportunity for the Spirit of God to use you mightily. Pastor Phil says, why do we have to be continually filled with the Holy Spirit? Because we're humans that live in a fallen world and we get holes punched in our lives spiritually. The enemy tries to cause us to leak out, but the Holy Spirit wants to keep us full and filled, right? All right. I believe that worry is rooted in the heart. Hmm? Worry is rooted in the heart. Here's where, here's where I get that understanding. Philippians 4, 6 through 7. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, give thanksgiving. Let your requests be known to God and the peace of God. Did you hear that? Whose peace? God's peace, not your peace. My peace wavers by what's going on around me. My peace wavers by the situation, but by the peace of God. The peace of God. When I make my requests known, the peace of God comes and the, it surpasses my understanding and it surpasses and it guards my heart and mind in Christ Jesus. Did you hear that? When I feel that temptation to worry, if I go quickly to the presence of God, ooh, 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 when I get quickly to the presence of God and seek him first, what happens? I provide an opportunity for the peace of God to come. And it guards my heart. What is the thing that gets tempted to be carried away and isolated? My heart my feelings, my thoughts, my emotions. I go down those trails of processes and rabbit holes and what's going to happen in situations and circumstances. But if I keep myself disciplined in the presence of God, he said his peace would come over me. Amen? Amen. When you are a Christian, a follower of Jesus Christ, problems are not interruptions or failures, but rather an opportunity for God's plan to live out in your life. What you need most of all is his grace to transform you continually into his image. Last point. Somebody say, why worry? Rejoice instead. David, when you read him, he's got moments where he is like, God, there's nothing that's going to take me out of your presence. If I could be like the bird that's like perched on the, the, little, the little altar in your temple, God, like, oh my goodness, in the tabernacle, I would just live there all day long. And he's like, I kill my enemies. I hate my enemies. I love them. But one of the things he said in Psalm 103 is, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless the Lord of my soul and forget not his benefits. He heals all thy diseases. He forgives all thy iniquities. He, and he goes on and on and on. What was he saying? There are times when I have to command myself to bless the Lord and everything that is within me. Not just on Sunday when it's a little easier, but God, I bless the Lord on Monday when it feels like the problems just piled on. I bless the Lord on Tuesday, on Wednesday, on Thursday, on Friday, on Saturday. Bless the Lord of my soul and all that is within me in the midst of my trials, in the midst of my tribulations, in the midst of the temptation. God, I will bless you. And when you do that, you meet God. And he said, my son, my daughter, I chose you to be in right standing with me. I chose you to be in the right place with me, that my kingdom would come. Do you realize what God is doing in the midst of fallen humanity? Because we have problems, we have stuff going on in our world. God is establishing his kingdom. 
He is looking for a remnant of people that'll say, God, here am I, send me. God, here am I, choose me. In the midst of all the temptations, in the midst of all the distractions, in the midst of all of the rumors of wars, and in the midst of everything that's going on politically, in the midst of armies rising up against armies, in the midst of leaders, Jesus is saying, I want my kingdom established. I want my will to be done. And when a group of people would say, God, I've tried it the other way and it doesn't work. Or you'd say, I'm crazy enough to try your way, God, because it seems a lot better than what's going on around me. Joy is what's the byproduct of this. What I'm talking about today is an intimate relationship with God. Not about coming to church and checking off a box because the news headlines got bad and you think, I just need to get back to church. No, you need a relationship with God. You have access, not because of religious duties you do or done or whatever, but because of what God has provided for the way that he's provided you to be in a relationship with him. You have access to God. You have access to a heavenly father that knows what your need is before you would even ask him. Amen? He just wants to hear it from you. He wants to hear his son come into the room. How many of you have kids? And you can remember these days. Comes into the room and says, Dad, can I have a cup of water? Dad, can you make me breakfast? God just wants to hear. Our Heavenly Father wants to hear you come in his room and say, God, this is what I need. And God's like, you know, I fed the birds earlier today. Don't worry, son, I got you. You know, daughter, you want to put on some beautiful clothes, but I clothed the lilies in the field earlier. I got you. That's our Heavenly Father. All of us as human beings want to know a Father who loves us like that. There's a place in our life, there's a hole in our heart that can only be filled by God who loves us like that. That he would say, I have a kingdom for you that I want you to be a part of. I want to make you right. Clean up your life. You've been trying to do it long enough on your own. Let me help you. And when you ask God with transparency and vulnerability to come into your life, you know the person that like invades your privacy space? <laughs> what? <laughs> You're like, hmm. <laughs> That's God. He gets so close to you, he wants to live in you. And it's like his light bursts forth through it and you've been trying to get over that thing and all of a sudden you're like, I have no more desire for that because God has made his home right here. That's how much God loves you. And there's joy with that. We find true joy only when we are in a dynamic relationship, a dynamic personal relationship with Jesus Christ and the assurance that God is able to turn our adverse circumstances around for his glory. We love to quote the, quote the verse, Romans chapter eight, verse 28, right? All things will work out good. They're gonna work out good. I'm holding my breath. <gasps> God, I hope they work out. The first part about that though is, or the, the, the biggest and most important thing we can grab a hold of from that verse is all things work out to the good for those who love God and are called according to his purposes. Jesus said, seek first my kingdom and righteousness and all of these things will be added unto you. Amen? 
Good's not necessarily comfortable. We want good that God has for our life. Did you hear me? Did you hear me? What's good for you, only God knows. And sometimes it's not based on our comfort. But Jesus said for the joy that was set before him, he endured, <clears throat> he endured the cross. Amen? There's a joy that comes when you are in an intimate, personal relationship with God. All hell can break loose in your life. But when you know that God is on your side and you know that there's nothing the devil can do to get to you, do you realize that? Give him no access. He can, he can yell his lies at you. He can tempt you. I mean, I could be in the middle of preaching a sermon and all of a sudden I can think of this thought that just like blindsides me from out of left field. But guess what? It will not change. Where I stand in Christ, there's a bloodline. Don't let that tempt you to go down those, to get into those thought patterns and those mindsets. Let the joy of the Lord, God, I don't know what you're working out, but I know there's a joy that's coming in the morning. I may be mourning right now, but I know there's a joy that is coming my way in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen? So seek first his kingdom. And when worry comes, rejoice instead. Because God is for you and he is not against you. Stay in that place of loving relationship with God and being called according to his purposes. And there may be some things that you need to check in your life. God, am I about your purposes? God, am I about your purposes? If you ask him, if you ask him in all sincerity, he'll answer you. Ask him, God, am I about your purpose in my personal devotion? To whatever it may be. God, are there distractions in my life? God, how's my marriage? God, how's my family life going? Listen, God wants to help you in all these things. Is he big enough? Yes, he is. Did you hear me? Yes, he is. It may seem impossible for you, but it is possible with God to work out his purposes and plans in your life. We're going to close. You ready? Everybody, if you want to stand to your feet. These are the times when we need not hang our heads down or hang our heads low and complain and go along with the worrisome chorus of what the world may be singing. We need to keep our heads lifted up. It's an opportunity to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, to have a word in due season, to let someone know about the love of God, that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but would have what? Everlasting life. You don't need religion, you need relationship. You don't necessarily need to be lifted out of your problem right now. You need to receive a vision from God of what it looks like in his kingdom. Where every need is met. Where no tears being shed. Every relationship is redeemed in Jesus' name. God, give us a vision. So today, standing in this place, if you would say, Pastor, I don't know if I have a relationship with God. Jesus Christ made a way for you to have that relationship with him. I can't do anything but other than to pray with you and believe. That's it. He already paid the price for you to know him. He already paid the price for that void in your life to be filled by him. When you confess with your mouth, the Bible says in Romans, and you, because you believe in your heart, it's at that moment you're saved. Anybody in this room today want to give their life to Jesus Christ? If you do, I want every head lifted, every eye open, because Jesus went to the cross for humanity. Jesus went to the cross unashamed. 
And if you're in this place today and maybe you're blinded by worry, maybe you're feeling anxiety, maybe you're feeling stress and you wanna say, Pastor, would you pray with me? I wanna give my life to Jesus Christ. I wanna, I wanna do that with you. If that's you, I want you to lift your hand up right now, wherever you are in the room, wherever you are. Anybody wants to give their life to Jesus Christ? Listen, come on, give up, let's praise. All of heaven is rejoicing. And I want you to make this your prayer right where you're at, believing it from your heart. Father, in the name of Jesus. And we can pray with our brothers and sisters committing their lives today. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you that you love me unconditionally, not because of how I look, not because of how I feel, not because of what I'm going through, but you loved me from your heavenly throne, sending your son to die in my place, a sinner's death. Jesus, I give you my life. I believe in my heart that you died for me, that you rose again to make me free. Jesus, I am yours. I repent from headed in the wrong direction. And I turn to you today to a relationship, a personal, intimate relationship with you in Jesus' name. Come on, let's give God some glory. Heaven is rejoicing right now. If that was you online, heaven is rejoicing because of your prayer of faith. And I wanna, I wanna pray with you and then the band's gonna kinda sing us out in a song. And uh, maybe you have felt some worry, some anxiety. Can we just pray about that right now? Maybe you even got the doctor's report. You need less stress in your life. Can I tell you, doctors are still practicing. God is perfected and God is the healer. God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. That means God's made you fearless. God's made you bold. God's made you courageous. And the thing is, you start thinking about that problem and all of a sudden it makes your heart skip a beat. Stop thinking about it that way. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and stay in right standing with God. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, God, we turn to you today. Lord, we're living in days we thank you that they're not days that you're unfamiliar with. Jesus Christ, you came and you made a way. You are the truth and you are the life and you have given us access to the Father. And Lord, I, right now I come against fear. I come against anxiety. I come against worry, not in my ability, but by the power and the authority of the name of Jesus Christ. We were saying it earlier. Jesus, your name is above anxiety. Your name is above stress. Your name is above worry. Your name is above fear. Jesus Christ, at your name, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. And so Jesus, I speak right now over those situations that they would be broken off. You said that the Lord, that the spirit of the Lord is upon us, God. And I believe that's right now in this room to preach the gospel to the poor, to set free the captives, to open up blind eyes, and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. God, that right now, in the hearing of my voice, God, the Spirit of God is doing things in the unseen, opening blind eyes to your kingdom and your will being done, to your righteous way of living, God. And we see things cast off of our life that it seems like we can't get victory over. And whenever that thing would come back and knock on my door again, my spiritual house, I would be reminded that God is for me and not against me, that I would love God and I would be living according to His purposes and not seeing the things of the enemy done in my life in the name of Jesus Christ. We break them off. We break them off. You've worried about that relationship. Bring it to Jesus' feet and cast it at his feet. He cares about it more than you do. Bring that thing to God and let him heal it. Let him deal with it. In Jesus' name, everybody says,